What's going on, Anchor? This is Evan Steinbrink, and thanks for joining us today. This is a continuation of my reading series of Think and Grow Rich, and we're starting Chapter 2. If you want to start from the beginning, check out the first installment. Desire, the starting point of all achievement. When Edwin C. Barnes climbed down from the freight train in Orange, New Jersey, he may have resembled a tramp, but his thoughts were those of a king. As he made his way to Thomas A. Edison's office, his mind was at work. He saw himself standing in Edison's Edison's presence. He heard himself asking Mr. Edison for an opportunity to carry out the one consuming obsession of his life, a burning desire to become the business associate of the great inventor. Barnes' desire was not a hope. It was not a wish. It was a keen, pulsating desire which transcended everything else. It was definite. The desire was not new when he approached Edison. It had been Barnes' dominating desire for a long time. In the beginning, when the desire first appeared in his mind, it may have been, probably was, only a wish. But it was no mere wish when he appeared before Edison with it. A few years later, Edwin C. Barnes again stood before Edison in in the same office where he first met the inventor. This time his desire has been translate into reality he was in business with with the edison the dominating dream of his life had become a reality today people know who barnes envy him because of the break life yielded him they see him for in the days of his triumph without taking the trouble to investigate the cause of his success barnes succeeded because he chose a definite goal and placed all his energy all his willpower and all his effort into achieving that goal He did not become the partner of Edison the day he arrived. He was content to start in the most minimal work as long as it provided an opportunity to take even one step towards his cherished goal. Five years passed before the chance he had been seeking made its appearance. During all those years, not one ray of hope, not one promise of attainment of his desire had been held out to him. To everyone except himself, he appeared only another cog in the Edison business wheel, but in his own mind, he was the partner of Edison every minute of the time, from the very day he first went to work there. It is a remarkable illustration of the power of a definite desire. Barnes won his goal because he wanted to be the business associate of Mr. Edison more than he wanted anything else. He carried a plan by which to obtain that purpose. But he burned all bridges behind him. He stood by his desire until it became a dominating obsession of his life, a fine and finally a fact. When he went to Orange, he did not say to himself, I will try to induce Edison to give me a job of some sort. He said, I will see Edison and put him on notice that I have come to go into business with him. He did not say, I will work there for a few months, and if I get no encouragement, I will quit and get a job somewhere else. He did say, I will start anywhere. I will do anything Edison tells me to do before I am through. I will be his associate. He did say, I'm sorry, he did not say, I will keep my eyes open for another opportunity in case I fail to get what I want in the Edison organization. He said, there is no, there is but no one thing in this world I am determined to have, and that is a business associate with Ed, Thomas A. Edison. I will burn all bridges behind me and stake my entire future on the ability to get what I want. He left behind no possible way to retreat. He had to win or perish. This is 
all there is to the barn story of success. A long while ago, a great warrior had to make a decision which ensured his success on the battlefield. He was about to send his armies against a powerful foe, whose men outnumbered his own. He loaded his soldiers into boats, sailed to the enemy's country, unloaded soldiers and equipment, then gave the order to burn the ships that had carried them. Addressing his men before the first battle, he said, You see the boats going up in smoke? That means we cannot leave these shores unless we win. We have no choice. We win or we perish. They won. Every person who wins in any undertaking must be willing to burn all ships and cut all sources of retreat. Only by doing so can one be sure of maintaining that state of mind known as a burning desire to win, essential to success. The morning after the Great Chicago Fire, a group of merchants stood on State Street looking at the smoke, smoking remains of what had been their stores. They went into a conference to decide if they would try to rebuild or leave Chicago and start over in a more promising part of the country. They reached a decision all except one, to leave Chicago. The merchant who decided to stay and rebuild pointed a finger at the remains of his store and said, Gentlemen, on that very spot I will build the world's greatest store. No matter how many times it may burn down, the store was built, it stands there today, towering monument of the power of the state of mind known as a burning desire. The easy thing for Marshall Field to have done would have been exactly what his fellow merchants did. When, he was go when the going was hard and the future looked dismal, they pulled up and went where the going seemed easier. Mark well this difference between Marshall Field and the other merchants because it is the same difference that distinguishes Edwin C. Barnes from the thousands of other young men who had worked in Edison organization. It is the same difference that distinguishes practically all who succeed from those who fail. Every being, under, every being who understands the purpose of money wishes for it. Wishing will not bring riches, but burning desire with a state of mind that becomes an obsession then planning definite ways and means to acquire riches, and backing those plans with persistence, which does not recognize failure, will bring riches. The method by which desire for riches can be transmuted into a physical equivalent consists of six definite practical steps. One. Fix in your mind the exact amount of money you desire. It is not sufficient merely to say, I want plenty of money. Be definite as to the amount. There is a psychological reason for definiteness, which we will describe in a subsequent chapter. Determine exactly, two, determine exactly what you intend to give in return for the money you desire. There is no such reality as something for nothing. Three, establish a definite date when you intend to possess the money you desire. 4. Create a definite plan for carrying out your desire and begin at once, whether you are ready or not, to put this plan into action. 5. Write out a clear, concise statement of the amount of money you intend to acquire. Name the time limit for its acquisition. State what you intend to give in return for the money and describe clearly the plan through which you intend to accumulate it. Read your written statement aloud twice daily, once just before 
retiring at night and once after rising in the morning. As you read, see and feel the be- see and feel and believe yourself already in possession of the money. It is important that you follow the instruction described in these six steps. It is especially important that you observe and follow the instructions in the sixth paragraph. You may complain that it is impossible for you to see yourself in possession of money before you actually have it. Here is where a burning desire will come to your aid. If you truly desire money so keenly that your desire is an obsession, you will have no difficulty in convincing yourself that you will acquire it. The object is to want money and to become so determined to have it that you convince yourself you will have it. Only those who become money conscious ever accumulate great riches. Money consciousness means that the mind has become so thoroughly saturated with the desire for money that one can see oneself already in the possession of it. To those who have not been schooled in the working principles of the human mind, these instructions may appear impractical. It may be helpful to all who fail to recognize the soundness of the six steps. To know that the information they convey was conceived from Andrew Carnegie, who began as an ordinary laborer in the steel mills. Despite his humble beginning, Carnegie managed to make these principles yield him a fortune of considerably more than $100 million. It may be further helped to know that these, that the six steps recommended were carefully scrutinized by Thomas A. Edison. He placed his stamp of approval upon them as being not only the steps essential for the accumulation of money, but also for the attainment of any definite goal. The steps call for no hard labor. They call for no sacrifice. They do not require one to become ridiculous or credulous. To apply them calls for no great amount of education, but the successful application of these six steps does call for sufficient imagination to enable one to see and to understand that the accumulation of money cannot be left to chance. Good fortune or luck, one must realize that all who have accumulated great riches and great fortunes first did a certain amount of dreaming, hoping, wishing, desiring, and planning before they acquired money. I'm going to read that sentence again. One must realize that all who have accumulated great fortunes first did a certain amount of dreaming, hoping, wishing, desiring, and planning before they acquired money. As you may as well know also that every great leader from the dawn of civilization down to the present was a dreamer. If you do not see great riches in your imagination, you will never see them in your bank account. Never has there been such great an opportunity for practical dreamers as now exists. We who are in this race for riches should encourage to know that this dynamic world in which we live is demanding new ideas, new ways of doing things, new leaders, new inventions, new methods of teaching, new methods of marketing, new books, new literature, new applications for computers, new cures for diseases, and new approaches to every aspect of business and life. Behind this demand for new and better things, there is one quality one must possess to win, 
and that is definiteness of purpose, the knowledge of what one wants, and a burning desire to possess it. To accomplish this requires practical dreamers who can and will put their dreams into action. The practical dreamers have always been and always will be the pattern makers of civilization. We who desire to accumulate riches should remember that the real leaders of the world have always been the people who harnessed and put into practical use the intangible unseen forces of unborn opportunity. They have converted those forces or impulses of thought into skyscrapers, cities, factories, airplanes, cars, better health care, and every form of convenience that makes life more pleasant. Tolerance and open mind are practical necessities for the dreamers of today. Those who are afraid of new ideas are doomed before they start. Never has there been a time more favorable to pioneers than the present. There is a vast business, financial, and industrial world to be remolded and redirected along new and better lines. In planning to acquire your share of riches, let one know and let no one influence you to scorn the dreamer to win the big stakes in this ever-changing world. You must catch the spirit of a great pioneers of the past whose dreams had given the civilization all that it has of value, the spirit which which serves as the lifeblood of our society, your opportunity and mine, to develop and market our talents. Let us not forget, Columbus dreamed of an unknown world, stakes his life on the existence of such a world, and discovered it. Capritius, the great astronomer, dreamed of a multiplicity of worlds and revealed them no one denounced him as impractical after he had triumphed and said the world worshipped at his shrine thus proving once more that success requires no apologies failure permits no alibis if the thing you wish to do is right and you believe in it go ahead and do it put in your put your dreams across and never mind what they Say if you meet the temporary defeat, for they perhaps do not know that every failure brings with it in the seed of an equivalent success. Henry Ford, poor and uneducated, dreamed of a horseless carriage. He went to work with what tools he possessed without waiting for an opportunity to favor him, and now evidence of his dream belts the entire earth. He has put more wheels into operation than any other man who has lived be, lived because he was not afraid to back his dreams. Thomas Edison dreamed of a lamp that could be operated by electricity. Despite more than 10,000 failures, he stood by that dream until he made it a physical reality. Practical dreamers do not quit. Lincoln dreamed of freedom for the black slaves put his dream into action, and barely missed living to see a united North and South translate his dream into reality. The Wright brothers dreamed a machine that would fly through the air. Now one many see evidence all over the world that they dreamed soundly. Macroni dreamed of a system for harnessing in, harnessing the intangible forces of the ether. Evidence that he did not dream in vain may have may be found in every radio, TV, and cell phone in the world. Moreover, Macroni's dream brought the humblest cabin and the most stately manor house side by side, 
It made the people of every nation on earth next-door neighbors by creating a medium where news, information, and entertainment could instantly be disseminated throughout the world. It may interest you to know that Macroni's friends had him taken into custody and examined in a psychopathic hospital when he announced he had dis- discovered a principle through which he could send messages through the air without the, without the aid of wires and other direct physical means of communication. The dreamers of today far better. The world has become accustomed to new discoveries. Indeed, it has shown a willingness to reward the dreamer who gives the world a new idea. And that's where I'm going to stop at today because I think that has been a good read so far. Uh, if it's if it's one thing that I took from, from this little section that I read is the importance of a desire, a burning desire, a pulsating desire. I hope you guys find your desire out there, whatever you want, whatever you intend it, for, intend it to be. Find that desire and stick with it. Alright guys, thanks for listening today, and hope you guys uh, watch out for the next reading series. Take care.